In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. gentlemen it's such a beautiful day to be alive and i am so excited to be here with you today i hope the sun is shining and the birds are singing wherever you are i hope you realize that you're part of a miracle that is more beautiful than you could possibly imagine i am here with an incredible guest to continue our series the one and only reverend dr jessica rochester author spiritual leader transpersonal educator dr jessica is an ordained interfaith minister with a doctorate in divinity, a transpersonal counselor. She's trained in the work of Dr. Roberto. I always thank you very much. I don't know why I just lost it right there for a moment. She's also trained with Dr. Stanislav Graf. She's also the Mahadrina and president of the Sioux de Montreal, a Santo Daime church she founded in 1997. Also, the author of a two-volume set of books, they look like this, called Ayahuasca Awakenings. They are a set of guidebooks that have been a tremendous amount of wealth for me and everyone with whom I've spoke that has them. So I would like to encourage everyone to go in the show notes and check them out and follow along. Today, we're continuing our series with Self-Respect Part 3. Dr. Jessica, I'm sure I left some things out, but what, what did I leave anything out of there in that particular monologue this morning? Well, first of all, I, I just love your introductions. You make me feel like I'm in a, a Disney animated film, you know. <laughs> it's like the birds are tweeting and yeah. the sun is shining. And at any moment now, someone's going to burst out of the back curtain singing a song, right? <laughs> so it's so much fun to join you on your show. Thank you always for having me. Today, we're talking about self-respect. What is self-respect? And and we've been, you know, having fun doing a series based on the two books that you've just mentioned. And we've worked our way now into volume two. And the first part is about the four cornerstones, okay, of, of real self-care. And the first one is self-awareness and self-love. Now we're in self-respect. The fourth one is self-responsibility. 
And, and why they're in that order is because awareness has to come first. We have to awaken our awareness as to who am I and why am I here and what is my life about and what is it like to be human and, you know, here I am on planet Earth and it has a beginning, middle and an end each lifetime, right? And, and then what ends and what begins and all these wonderful questions. And then we wandered into self-love and defining what love is about and what love isn't and how in today's world, how what love is keeps transforming as people start understanding things differently. You know, we're understanding that a lot of things that we used to think were love in our culture, like romantic love, which is a form of love, but it's not really love, it's romance. Okay, it's romance and sexual attraction. Sorry, folks, but that's just naming it the way it is. Okay, love is hopefully the container that can hold romance and sexual attraction, hopefully. Um, so, and love is not dependency, and love is not a lot of things that people actually confuse it with. You know, back to the Disney bill. Okay, someday my prince will come. <laughs> so, um, now we're into self-respect, okay? And actually, what is self-respect? Want to start working on a definition, and then we'll round it out. You're, you're, yeah. you're up on yeah. first <laughs> Okay, I'm up. I think self-respect is, is the awareness that you are the actions that you put out into the world. I'll keep it kind of short there. Oh, I like that. That's very good. <laughs> yeah, gold star for that one. Okay. Yes. So I, I might, you know, through today's section, I, I might just grab a few statements from Please. what I've written because they're succinct and it'll keep me on track a little bit so we can cover some ground today. Okay. Self-respect fosters dignity. Dignity, mm. something that seems to have been just lost through the years, decades, centuries. Dignity is something that is so important. And how do we keep our dignity? So dignity is the state of being actually worthy of respect. Okay. When we have our dignity, you know, and if you can leave, I can do, we try to do a definition of that one, but I think we've all got it. Okay, dignity is not arrogance. Dignity is the inner reflection and acceptance of one's self-value, of one's personal worth. And that means strengths and shortcomings. It means accepting our wholeness. And when we accept our wholeness, our strengths and our shortcomings and our character flaws and our habits and our, all those, you know, our mistakes that we've made. And when we accept that that's part of our wholeness, okay, then we can conduct ourselves with, with dignity because that we are valuing ourselves and we are, as we value ourselves, we are in the best position for others to recognize who we are and value us. As an individual and this is not valuing us based on artificial constructs that, that society and culture develop you know how many toys i've got and how much money i've got and how much power i have and how many records i sold and 
you know, all that jazz, okay? Um, but, you know, you can, you can be the most, have the most simple of, you can be herding goats in the Mongolian, you know, outback, and you can have more dignity than some power broker on Wall Street because you, you, you live your life with impeccability, okay? You're impeccable in your life. So self-respect affirms the sacredness of the psychic space. I like that. The sacredness of the psychic space. The value of the soul and the preciousness of the body. So body, soul, and spirit. That's what self-respect does. It creates a space. Remember when we were talking about love? We talked about what, what is love, and we try to boil it down to this simple definition based on Scott Peck, Dr. Scott Peck, a, you know, American psychiatrist, deceased now many years, but he said love is a space you create for others to grow in. And if, we're, if we have self-awareness and self-love, then we're, we're creating that space, and that's something that is like a garden. You, you got to keep it minded <laughs> okay you gotta garden it okay otherwise it gets all full of brambles and thorns and everything else so you, you, that's a daily practice self-awareness self-love self-respect is a moment by moment daily practice okay so are we are we doing good so far on our definitions perfect i love them okay sacredness of the psychic psychic space value of the soul preciousness of the body Okay, so let's keep going. Self-respect means healthy boundaries. Now, what are boundaries? You hear a lot of talk about boundaries and I have no boundaries and I have my boundaries and you have to respect my boundaries and everything like that. But what actually are they? <laughs> okay, mm. seriously, what are boundaries? That's the question. Okay. It seems that I'm boundaries- I'm on the carpet today, but you've been doing so well. It's <laughs> okay. I, I, it seems to me that boundaries are patterns we're taught about what's appropriate. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Okay. So a boundary, if we think about a boundary, let's work with the most basic okay. definitions. A boundary is a limit, the point at which something ends. So if you mm -hmm. think about you buy a house and you buy the property and you get the land on it, and okay, you have a very clear designation of exactly the, the characteristics of the limits of that boundary and that's where you put your fence right right absolutely. Okay, so your neighbor's dog doesn't come and poop on your lawn <laughs> so or what have you so it's it's something ends and something begins on a human level mm. we develop boundaries based on our family of origin first, the right. environment that we're in, which could include daycares and culture and society and the extended events that, that families experience and parents experience as their children are growing up. And we learn something about that. We learn something about that. So there's a few things that will interfere with the development of healthy boundaries. Uh, those are those early wounds that we've talked about in other um, sessions where uh, we've talked about abandonment and we've talked about engulfment. The two major wounds that we can experience. Okay, Abandonment, that's a pretty easy one. We don't get what we need. First of all, physical safety. 
uh, comfort, shelter, food, nourishment, all of the things that we need. And especially the younger we are, we need that um, physical contact. That really wires down to um, security, our feeling of being secure in life. If we don't feel secure in life, it's really difficult to work on those other things that are so important because those survival things are going to override other things. So engulfment is, abandonment is when we don't get what we need. And engulfment is when we get what we don't want or need. When things come into our space, either physically, emotionally, psychically, what have you, energetically. So... Now, one, what's really interesting is around the world, um, in different cultures, and certainly in different eras, boundaries were very different, extremely different, mm-hmm. okay? And, you know, you'd have, in some cultures, you would have people all sleeping together in the longhouse or living together in the longhouse, and this was normal. You'd have entire families and extended families living in in a large teepee, okay? This was normal. This was acceptable. And you would have houses where multi-generations would live in the same house. We would be horrified in our culture (laughs) if everyone decided to move in. It's just for the weekend, right? (laughs) No, permanent, honey. Okay. So what's, you know, but within those dynamics, there would be very clear boundaries, very clear boundaries that we coming from a different culture may not understand or respect about. And, and this is why diplomacy is needed um, to help bridge the understanding between cultures as, as different ways of behaving towards each other and ourselves. In some cultures, you don't touch people. You, you don't touch people unless you know that you have that in, invitation to touch. In other cu- cultures, people are touching all the time. They yeah. jostle you on the bus. They push you on the on the metro. They elbow you in front of the counter of sale, some things. Okay. I mean, they queue, never mind. I mean, the one good thing about COVID is we social distance. And it was that lovely to not have someone breathing down your neck or yelling on their phone while you're standing in line at the post office, right? So uh, different cultures. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm i told, um, you know, by a family member who did some traveling, well, I'm not so sure there's some countries you want to visit because they have very different understandings of personal space. <laughs> you know, if you get on a train in this particular country, I won't name it, just people will think absolutely nothing of falling asleep on your shoulder. Okay, and it's like, mm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be good with that. Okay, you know, or putting their feet up on your lap or looking at you when you get your lunch out expecting you to share it with them mm-hmm. even though you've never met okay so these are just differences and so culturally we learn different things about boundaries okay but let's bring it back down to to our culture and and what's kind of our norm here in canadian or western civilization canadian culture so healthy boundaries can be defined as having an adequate sense of being connected to our own genuine needs, genuine needs, not wants. People, do we need to do the difference between wants and needs? <laughs> Maybe. Probably, probably a good idea. <laughs> okay, so for people with certain, you know, and especially abandonment issues, okay, right. there will be a blurriness between a want and a need. 
there will be a lack of an ability to discern between a want and a need, okay? Um, the, the, what do we need? Let's do that. We need physically air, food, water, shelter, and caring relationships. That's what we need to survive. We need physical safety, security, things to take care of us emotionally and psychologically. We need caring relationships. Okay? Intellectually, we need some stimulation. Creativity, on a creative level, our needs are that we need an opportunity to express ourselves creatively. Okay, spiritually, we need to have the opportunity to have a sense of exploring our connection with the divine and whatever framework that might come with in our culture or family. Okay. Wants are something completely different. You know, maybe one of my granddaughters wants a pony for her birthday. Right, right. Not, not getting it. Okay. So the thing is, if we don't have our wants and our needs defined with healthy boundaries, when we're young, it gets really blurry as we develop and we become older. And then we take those longings which to other adults just look like a want, but to the mm. person who didn't get the needs, it feels like a need. And so one of the one of the things we need to do with boundaries is really have a good look inside of ourselves about wants and needs. Is this a want or is this a need? Right. And that's just part of self-awareness, you know? That's just part of self-awareness. So much as we need to, healthy boundaries says, I, I, I need to respect my genuine needs, feelings, beliefs, and thoughts. Healthy boundaries says, I need to respect others. Okay, and this is one of the things that's got a little bit out of balance in our culture. It's like a me thing. Me, what I want, what I think, and what I believe should kind of be, it's kind of like a cultural narcissism that's happening, yeah. should be imposed on everybody else. Whereas healthy boundaries and dignity says, your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs are equally as important to mine. And then we negotiate if there's a, a meeting of a relationship of some kind, personal or business or what have you. Okay, the ability, healthy boundaries are the ability to communicate our feelings, our thoughts, our beliefs. So it's not just to recognize them within us, but the ability to communicate them. How many people get angry and go passive aggressive or hostile or stonewall or go cold and you have no idea like, okay, did something happen? You're not talking to me, you're slamming doors. <laughs> you took off, like, mm. okay. Those aren't healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries are the ability to sit down, respect my feelings, and respect yours enough that I'm going to approach you on some kind of conversation and discussion in which we talk about that, about where you start and end, and where I start and end, and where that meets. Boundary issues are probably the greatest problem in unresolved boundary issues in relationships you know yeah. and and if we're willing to peel it back to respecting my thoughts and needs and feelings and respecting yours and ability to communicate my thoughts and feelings and beliefs and it welcoming you to communicate yours 
that's what creates all of those healthy memories, right? The ability to listen to others when they express themselves, right? Not just me, 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 what I want, what I think, okay? The ability to listen. Now, people often, I find in our culture today, they confuse listening to with agreeing with. Mm. <laughs> it's like, those two very different things. Right. Okay. I can listen to you. I can hear what you're saying. And I can also not agree with it. Right. And that doesn't mean disrespect. It does not mean disrespect. Because true listening means I hear that you believe the world is flat. I don't agree with it, but I hear that you believe that. Not that I think for a minute, George, that you think the world is flat. <laughs> if you do, we never talk about that, right? So it's understanding that my thoughts, feelings, needs, etc., are valid. And yours are valid. And so are others valid. Okay. And the boundary is where they meet. Okay. And if we look into our culture, we'll see that's where a lot of laws got created. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a right to be angry with you and I have a right to express my anger, but self-respect. Okay. And dignity means that I do it in a way that is not harmful to you or to me. Right. So I have, I have one quick part that I want to jump in because I think it's relevant. And that is oh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes it, it, it seems to mm. me that the boundaries can be walls and it's important yes. to understand the difference there because when you hit a wall with somebody, you're up against a boundary, but sometimes those boundaries are put in place to keep people out. You know, it seems to me we're working on trying to find ways to resolve problems, but how boundaries and walls can be a tricky sort of a semantic thing there, right? It's perfectly in align with what I'm saying, okay? Perfect. Because it, that's what happens, especially with people who have deeper wounds. Okay, mm -hmm. well, you know, there's a wonderful little um, exercise in psychosynthesis. Do you want to do, do it? Yeah, I would yeah. love to. Okay, so you're going to close your eyes and you're going to go inside. You're going to take a long, slow, deep breath. And you're going to imagine that your body and your psychic space is kind of like a house. And with its garden around it, it's your home. It's the home that your soul lives in, your body. I want you to just imagine that it's like a house on sitting in a garden. I want you to imagine the fence that you have around your property. And what does that look like? Mine is like a white picket fence. Oh, hey, I knew you were going to have a white picket fence. <laughs> You're such a white picket fence. Oh, I yeah. yeah, and and there's a gate, right? Absolutely. That you can open and you can close. You want to let the dog out in the yard? Well, you can close the gate, keep the dog in. And, and your door and your windows in your house, are they open? Are they closed? How many bolts do you have on that front door? 
my my door is open my door is open but my screen is closed and it's just a regular it's a it's like an eight foot door and then the screen mm -hmm. is right there and i got like i got like a little window in my screen for my cat to come in and out if they want to okay okay <laughs> i love it okay sounds like your real house you know <laughs> Yeah, why not? I can imagine you living there. <laughs> so, so you know, here's the thing. You can take a long, slow, deep breath. Okay, now what do you do when strangers come to your front door? Mm. How does that I... feel? Curious. Okay, so your first instinct is curious. Okay. And how do you feel when a friend comes to your front door? Excited. Okay. And you can welcome them in. Absolutely. Okay. So bring yourself back. Long, slow, deep breath. I just have one more little piece to do, if you're willing. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Let the image of the house and the okay. picket fence and the, and the cat flap fade. Okay. Now, I want you to imagine your psychic space. Your psychic space. I'm just going to close your eyes. Long, slow, deep breath your psychic space. How far outside your body does it extend? Hmm. Where's your comfort zone? This is my space. I think of a few feet around me. And I would be aware of anybody that were coming to the door of my psychic space. And it might make me feel a little bit perturbed if someone got into it when I wasn't prepared for them. Okay, great. Now I want you to imagine, if you can, the wall that you have. This mm -hmm. is George's wall. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's it made of? How does it feel? Mm. It's sort of gelatinous. It's, it can bend and move a little bit. Flexible. Flexible, yes, that's a great word. Yeah. But some parts are soft, some parts are sore, some parts are ticklish, some parts are, mm -hmm. are, are, I don't want them to touch it. Okay. <laughs> can you, can you see through your wall? <clears throat> I can, it trans it's transparent. And can people see through to you? It's more translucent, I think, where it's it's sort of pixelated for people to see in. It's it's they can maybe they can see something in there at times, but maybe not what they think they see. That's really great. Okay, so your wall, you can see out through it, mm -hmm. but you've got it organized so that you reveal yeah. what you want to reveal. And you yes. get, get it all pixelated when you don't want anyone to see in. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Loving it. Okay. <laughs> so long, slow, deep breath and bring yourself back when you're ready. Open your eyes. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. Well done, you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so here you have, here you have two kind of different experiences, but yeah. they give you a really good idea of how I am in my space, how I am in my home, how I am 
in my psychic space and you see there's some a little bit similarities but there's also quite a bit of difference right i ain't home with the garden and you can come in the picket fence and you know and then wait a minute now you're getting in my psychic space that's a little bit different it's a little bit different yeah and and what you've described is is extremely important to, to understand about you know i can see out and but i I can obscure if there's things and there's sensitive parts that I don't want anyone yes. touching. I don't want anybody poking in that. So you got to respect. Uh, I'm going to respect it. And I'm asking others to respect that part of me that doesn't want to be poked. Mm -hmm. you know? That was beautiful. I really, I, I'm going to have to do some thinking on that. There's a lot in there. Thank you for that. It's well, the thing is, is this is the work of, of Roberto Asagioli, the Italian psychiatrist who developed psychosynthesis, and he mm. just developed these wonderful tools for going in really quickly yeah. and, and seeing through our own creative imagination uh, things about ourselves that we might not even notice without these kind of really simple tools to look inside of ourselves, you know. And so that kind of deep inner work, you can do a quick dart in and, and, and get a, a thing that you can work with for months yeah. and get deeper and deeper understandings about it. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, talk therapy has its place. And, and then the slightly non-ordinary state, mm -hmm. closing my eyes, taking a breath, going inside that you were working in a slightly altered state. Yeah, totally. Yeah our eyes to go into and so the non-ordinary state of consciousness gives us the great gift okay so more about boundaries you know it's perfect little imagery here we respect our limits we have the ability to say what i can do and what i can't do it means knowing how to say yes and it means knowing how to say no kindly firmly because saying yes when you mean no always leads to problems. Mm -hmm. Always leads to problems for ourselves and for others. So yeah. saying yes, 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 and then being furious with the person that you're saying yes to is really out of integrity. Mm -hmm. Really is out of integrity. You know? In, in our in our world, we're not in a situation where we have a culture that is so um, self-denying, self-right, de denying of personal rights, okay, that it has imposed itself where we have to say yes or we get shot, okay, or go to jail or something, okay, that's a whole other thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about in everyday life situations. I'm not talking about situations under duress. Okay, I'm talking about regular everyday situations where you say to your partner, yes, but inside is a no. <laughs> okay, what's honesty and what's love and awareness and respect got to do with that? So we respect our limits. We respect other people's limits. So if we're in a relationship and our friend or our partner or our business partner says to us, um, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. Do we coerce them? No. 
do we try and convince them or manipulate them? But I really need this and I really want this and you have to do this for me. And if you really loved me, you would really do this for me, right? They bat my eyelashes a little bit, mm-hmm. like get you going, you know. So respecting our limits and res- accepting and respecting others' limits. Responsibility to, you know, self-respect is recognizing our ability and responsibility to make decisions. If I respect myself, I make decisions that are healthy and mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I'm going to make all of that, right? Yeah. So self-respect means that we understand that life is difficult, that life has challenges, and that sometimes the only thing we can do is have dignity going through the challenge. Now, Buddha said, you know, no one escapes illness or suffering. And we can say, yes, that is true. Everybody, everybody at some point in their life is going to experience something that's difficult or challenging, right? And sometimes dignity is the only thing we've got to go through that. Okay, and that is a combination of self-awareness, self-love, self-respect, and self-responsibility, is we keep our dignity. That means we respect ourselves, we under, we accept this is a really difficult challenge. The one question I always encourage, it's what the question I ask myself on a daily basis, what is for my higher good? What is for the higher good of the situation? And then doing my level best to choose that. Okay, there's a lot of temptation in life, okay? Wouldn't it yeah. be nice to let our lower self sneak out and have a go at something? <laughs> like, seriously. I mean, it's very tempting, right? Sure. Yeah, but doesn't it have, like, a big price tag on it? It always comes with a very large price tag. And we have to be willing to pay that price tag. Whereas... I, can, I know I can tell myself and I can assure others that if we, from a genuine place of, a, of self-love and awareness, if we ask ourselves what is for the higher good in this situation, and we take as much confidence and courage into the situation and do that which is for the higher good, which might be something quite difficult, by the way, we will feel content within ourselves. We will have inner peace. Because some part of us knows that we did what we really believed was for the higher good in that moment. So healthy boundaries are recognizing our needs, wants, feelings, thoughts, beliefs, and others. Respecting Accepting the limitations that we have, our strengths and our limitations, and respecting the strengths and limitations of others. It means the ability to say yes when we mean yes, and no when we mean no, and maybe when we need to think about it. And that's also part of respecting our limits, is understanding that saying maybe I need to think about it and give me a little time to think about it is actually the right answer. 
how about self-respect being the willingness to admit our failures and our mistakes instead of hide them and pretend they didn't happen? That's a no, tough one. I, yeah, that's a tough one. No, I'm not talking about like taking out a billboard on <laughs> <laughs> the main street of your town, okay, saying I made a boo-boo. I, I, I'm talking about where one needs to admit, wait a minute, I think I made a mistake here, okay? Apologizing. Self-respect is about cleaning up. I, I, I made a mess on your front lawn. Mm -hmm. My mess affected you. Guess what? Self-respect requires that I respect you and your boundaries equally to mine. It means I need to offer to go and clean up the mess I made on your front lawn. Okay. And if I'm not doing that, how can I respect myself? Right? Yeah, it's a great point. It's I think there's shame involved in this one. People have a relationship between shame and boundaries. Like it's mm -hmm. sometimes it makes them not want to do the work on themselves or what do you think is the the relationship between shame and self-respect well it's it's uh, their antagonist <laughs> okay and self-respect requires that we examine shame mm. and sort out shame from guilt mm. very different things do we do we need to stop for a moment and define let's, those? Let's let's go through both of those. That would be fantastic. So, shame. I, I really, you know, I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding about. It. First of all, I think that we're a little bit hardwired for shame, and we'll see that animals can experience it. Mm -hmm. You know, your cat or your dog. Cats aren't so. <laughs> wired for shame as dogs but dogs can like mm -mm. you know you can look by their whole face they know oh, oh i did something mm -hmm. and and so we're kind of wired for it it's kind of like embarrassment and shame are connected somehow yeah and and when we're really young if there's things that are happening around us that are embarrassing that we don't understand that cross and blur boundaries that we automatically know okay or sense with behaviors and attitudes and beliefs okay then we can have what could be a simple case of embarrassed over somebody's behavior actions or beliefs but it turns into shame okay Dad getting drunk and throwing up on the on, on the rug becomes our shame. Okay, because energetically it can transfer. There's the the transference of shame that can happen. Do we want to say something about that too? Do you have to understand? There's that transfer of shame where parents can get angry and dump shame on children, mm. and children can take it in. Mm. And instead of a parent saying, Gee, what happened now was kind of embarrassing. I feel badly that dad had too much to drink. And, mm. you know, we need to sit down and tell dad that his behavior is affecting us. And that keeps dad's behavior about dad. 
right? Yeah. That we might still feel uncomfortable with or embarrassed about because it's our dad. Okay. Sorry to pick. It could equally be mom or uncle yeah. Harry or anybody else, but you know, but so that's how all those boundaries get blurred. So what might be just simply an embarrassing that could be used as a teaching moment or a, you know, I mean, we all do something embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, we all, you know, something happens, <laughs> you know, it just is, it happens in life. Okay. You trip over something. Yeah. <laughs> Your graceful entrance into the room is completely destroyed by tripping over the edge of the rug, you know, well, you can turn that into something funny and have a laugh over it. And, you know, and a teaching moment. Okay. Um, maybe I shouldn't be wearing high heels anymore. <laughs> so I'll wear running shoes with my pretty dress. Um, but you can turn it into something that people can relax with. Right. Or you can get angry and rage at somebody. Dump mm. all that on, on somebody who's now like got this big dump on them. Okay. And if you do that with children, then they take it in. And they end up carrying around this transference of shame from situations and other people that has nothing to do with them. And this is interesting because when people start unpacking, you know, I had a private practice for nearly, what, 40 years. So when people start unpacking these internal, the internal luggage that they're carrying around, these heavy bags of stuff, okay, they find out that a lot of it isn't even theirs. I've got to start handing back, you know, this is yours. Uh, mm -hmm. And then uh, this is yours, Uncle Harry, and this is your job. <laughs> it's not even mine. Why am I lugging this stuff around and feeling bad about it? So, so shame is somehow connected to embarrassment. And, and that's something we just make a study. Is this embarrassing? Why am I feeling shame? I didn't, it's like, okay, let it go. Have a laugh. Let it go. You know, guilt completely different guilt tells us that we've done something wrong we've either committed or omitted something mm. that's what guilt is guilt is useful without guilt yeah. we would have no sense of conscience now if guilt gets all mixed up with embarrassment and shame that makes a very undigestible mm. that we feel in the pit of our stomach it's very third chakra uh, power center right in the middle of our body and we'll feel that as a heavy you might feel it up in our heart space as a heavy dark unpleasant nasty kind of experience and so grieving out experiences and if we're talking about guilt well you know that's something completely different again yeah. it's something we've committed or omitted and that means we need to look at how do i clean this up we're back to self-respect right how do i clean this up if I want to respect myself, it means that I need to resolve those unresolved issues. I need to dot those I's and cross those T's. I need to forgive myself and or others if I want to have my self-respect. I need to have a look at all of this and see. And that's not a need. It's a, it's a need and a want. I want to do this because it will make me feel more healthy and more in alignment with my authentic self. Hmm. So that's the shame yeah. and the thing. Is that well done. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's super helpful. I, I I love looking looking deeper into it, and I think it helps myself and probably people listening to thoroughly understand that there's different moving parts there. Absolutely, and 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 once we sort out what's mine and what's not right. mine, then we know what the next step is. If if most of this isn't mine, well, all I need to do then is forgive it and let it go and put it into the sacred fire or send it out into the cosmos or you know, send it out with prayers and light and a chant and a song and, you know, dance it out, draw it out, whatever way feels right for us to do until we are relieved of it and it's not mine anymore. But what is mine is mine and I can't put that on anybody else. So self-respect means taking ownership of my words, my actions and my deeds. Physical boundaries. You said something really interesting. You said, well, I feel my psychic space. And that's about right. Our psychic space, usually most people feel it about two to three feet around, like, like a sphere. You know, yeah. Sagioli, is, he draws it like an egg shaped because yeah. of our shape. It's like kind of an egg shaped sphere around us. And that's our psychic space. And I love what you said when you said, I wouldn't be very happy if someone like got in it when I was watching <laughs> it. You know, I mean, it's one thing if we're in a crowd and we're right. getting out of a crowded movie theater or event or something like that, we know we're going to be shoved and pushed a little bit and we know to expect it. Okay. And we get our elbows, little pokey things. Out, right. So, yeah. And, 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 and yes, we have, and here I want to, Give a shout out to Rupert, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, British um, biologist, so brilliant. His books, please, everybody run out and buy them. And the sense of being stared at, I think, underlines this. Our awareness of our psychic space is so sensitive that we can feel a kilometer away someone's mm. staring. Okay. This is such a a extraordinary um, kind of sense that it, it, it's to have to read the research on it and go, it's true, it's true, it's true. It's not something that we're imagining. It's actually real. We can feel when people are getting into our psychic space. We can feel when, be when we're being stared at. We can feel when somebody is sending bad vibes at us. We can feel that, you know. You get in an elevator with two perfect strangers. You can tell in a second who's in a good mood and who's not. Who's leaking like Chernobyl, okay? <laughs> Seriously, or, or what was it, Three Mile Island? Right. Yeah, okay. It's leaking, okay? Either good stuff or radioactive. And we don't want that in our space. But what happens if we're in a situation where people are leaking that into our psychic space? What do we do? And Healthy Boundaries says that we learn to clean that psychic space and keep it clean. We learn to keep it filled with light and peace and good vibrations. That's our choice. It's like going into a dark room and turning the light on, you know? We can let all other people's junk, you know, sometimes you go in different parts of the world or different parts of the city and you look and you think, why is everybody dumped all that stuff and littered? Why did they do that? 
And yeah, and psychically people do that too. They dump and litter all kinds of stuff. And we need to learn to keep our space the way we want it. Peaceful, clear, open, but aware. So we have, those are our energetic boundaries, our psychic space. We're going to come back to that in a minute. We have physical boundaries. We talked about that. Don't really want anybody touching any of those things. Okay. And so depending on our culture, we, we will have, we will have instant, uh, yes, you can hug me because I know you and I love you and I care about you. And, you know, it's an instant meet and greet and there's a hug involved. There's other people where there may be a shake of hand or a smile or something that's a bit further out on the list. It's like, you don't get to touch me too close. Okay. And, 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 and so it goes. And, and, you know, with the boundaries that we consciously, unconsciously have created. Okay. Our emotional boundaries. What does that look like? We have the right to maintain limits on what people deliver in our direction emotionally and verbally. And we have the right to say no. The same way you see those cute little signs on people's front lawn with a doggy and please no. Yeah. Don't let your dog on my lawn. Okay. We have the right to say no, please stop. Please stop. And that, and, and that's really important that we understand that, that beautiful difference between creating the space to listen to people, to their thoughts and feelings and beliefs, but not creating a space for dumping, littering, dumping. You have s such an interesting expression on your face right now. Like, <laughs> the difference? Yeah, there's a huge difference between somebody, even if they're angry or upset, that's okay. We can say, listen, I'm feeling really upset and angry, so please be patient, and I want to just take a little time. And, and there's a big difference between somebody aware that they're upset or sad or frightened or angry by something and sharing it with us, especially if we've played a role in why they're upset, mm -hmm. angry, or frightened. Yeah. You, you emptied the RSB to go buy a sports car? <laughs> yes, I'm angry. <laughs> so, I think I have every right to be. Yeah. <laughs> so communication of feelings without littering and dumping and even worse, carpet bombing. Mm. Okay, I'm not sure if you've ever been in a situation with somebody who carpet bombs. Verbally, it, verbally carpet bombs. Right, right. It's like it's all coming out so fast, you is, and everyone is like a explosion, and you can't keep track of them, and you can't answer them, and because it's all there was no warning. Okay, right. came in the dark in the night in the sky, and boom, fun carpet bomb. Okay, so these all violate our boundaries. And we'll be aware, we'll feel dumped on, littered on, bombed on. Okay? Yeah. So emotional boundaries. Intellectual boundaries, what do they look like? Well, we have something called intellectual property laws that respect intellectual property. 
we have a right to not just our own thoughts and ideas and expressions, but we have a right to protect them. So if, I mean, it's not just in an everyday conversation, but obviously if we write a symphony, we have a right to, <laughs> you know, protect that. If we write a poem or publish a book or do a piece of art, you know, we have a right to, to protect that that came through us, that we were the channel for that. And that in, in, in our world that, you know, we have the right to say how it's used mm. and how it's not used. And, and that's really kind of like an interesting thing in our society where everybody feels perfectly free to take whatever they want, you know, because they like it. That's not a good enough reason. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really fussy about like images and things like that when we when we use them for in our in our church for printing our hymn books. Mm. I always want to make sure that we credit the artist. Um, uh, when I give PowerPoint when I'm lecturing and I give PowerPoint, so I always have the image credit page, even if they're from Unsplash, where it says you don't have to. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, but I want to mm -hmm. because that person took that photograph and that's so beautiful, you know? And so how do we self-respect ours and respect others? Because mm -hmm. remember, they are indivisible. Right. We can't have self-respect and no respect for other people. That's called arrogance. Mm -hmm. That's not self-respect. That's arrogance, you know? So my self-respect is, is a equal and equivalent to me respecting you. This is the at the core of namaste, right? This is at the core of the true teaching of namaste. I honor the divine which I see in you. And to do that, I have to know, recognize the divine in me, which is honoring the divine in you. Mm. So spiritual boundaries. Okay, there's a whole other conversation. We won't do it today, but if you're, if you and the listeners are interested about mediumship, yeah. mediumship is a whole other conversation. But we're just going to give a little umbrella okay. conversation on spiritual boundaries. Include, on the most basic level, the right to your own beliefs. You want to believe the world is flat, George? Well, I know you don't, but. But if you did, you know, I don't care if someone wants to believe that the fairies live in the bottom of my garden. You know, I, I kind of like that. I don't believe that there are any there, but I'd love it if there were. Okay, I'd be the first one out making sure that <laughs> the habitat was appropriate. Um, and again, I don't believe there are. Um, but the right to have our beliefs and to allow others to have our beliefs. And the boundary is of self-respect. Okay, your beliefs cannot be overrunning my beliefs. They need to, there needs to be that healthy boundary there. So you will see couples who will have, where I, I've, I've worked with couples that come from very different backgrounds. You know, one perhaps comes from a Catholic background, the other ones come from a, from a, a Jewish background, you know, and they've been raised in their religions, but they fall in love and they want to get married. And, you know, some, they come and sit in front of me and say, how are we going to work this out? <laughs> you know? And, and well, you know what you can, can you look at including some of both? 
Okay, and so some couples where there's a lot of self-respect and respecting of the others, make a space that's inclusive of both. So you can have Christmas and Hanukkah. You know, you can have Easter and Passover. You can have all the teachings of both of the traditions. You know? So I once, I knew a couple many years ago where loved and committed and, you know, like had a 60-year marriage until they both deceased many years ago now. But part of it was was embedded in, in this level of self-respect. Um, in, in which every Sunday morning they'd get up, they'd have breakfast, and he would go off to his church and she would go off to hers. And they would come back afterwards and they would talk about what the sermon was about and how the service was lovely. And then they'd have lunch. And then they'd go off and do whatever they were going to do in the afternoon. There you go. What's wrong with that picture? Nothing. You make a space of love and self and respect that is inclusive. It's not one person insisting and imposing. My religion is the right religion. My religion is the only religion. My spiritual beliefs, because nowadays religion is kind of a bad word and spirituality mm. is everything. Okay, sorry, but religions were built to allow people to practice their spirituality. Did they get out of hand? Yes. Why? Because of human nature. It had nothing to do with the cosmos, spirituality, the realms of divinity and shamanic and everything else. Zero human issues. Okay. Sorry, but that's my take on it. We can create a space respectful to self and others where your spiritual beliefs and or religious beliefs have their space with no imposition and no discounting. They're of equal value. So the fairies at the bottom of your garden on your flat world <laughs> is just fine. <laughs> okay. Boundary issues abound because of why? Why, George? Why are there so many boundary issues? Because we never really learned how to deal with them. We found ways to pretend they're not there. We found ways to ignore them. And different people have different boundaries. We all have different buildings and constructs we've built. So when they come into contact with each other, we don't know how to interact. And unless we have a very solid foundation of communication that was built on self-respect. Yes. and so, But it's never too late to learn. Yes. yes. That's the thing. It's like, okay, I'm all good with grieve out that you didn't get it then. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. I'll pass the Kleenex and make a space of listening. No problem. But there needs to be an end to that then. Okay. The grieving can have it be its process, but it can't just get indulged in and carry right. on. Like I didn't get it and I didn't get it. Okay, you right. didn't get it. I'll move on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Create it in your life today. Mm -hmm. Create it in your life today. Develop healthy boundaries. Develop self-respect. Recognize your strength and limitations. Learn how to forgive yourself and others. Learn how to say, I'm sorry. Learn how to say, I think I made a mistake here. I think I really screwed up. I'm really sorry, and I might need some help cleaning it up. Yeah. At first, that's, like, hard to get out. <laughs> you know? 
when you're first starting to, you know, respect, it's, it's hard, you know, because all those human foibles get in the way. But after a while, it becomes so much easier. And you realize that you feel so much better inside. Now, one important thing, I know we're getting to the top of the hour here, one important thing that we also need to recognize that in the cleaning up process that we've been talking about that will give us dignity and self-respect, okay, we also have to, I love what the 12-step program, don't ask me which step it is because I couldn't, wouldn't be able to remember without looking it up, but one of the steps says that you make amends Unless to do so would be causing harm. Mm. So if to make amends with a person that you believe you caused some harm to, that you, to respect yourself, you know you want to clean up, then you take a little time with that. And if, if needed, get a second opinion. Ask a professional of whatever kind feels right for you. Um, say, hey, there's this, and do you think that it would be the right thing to write a letter or make a phone call or ask to meet the person? And if you look, if it if it's not a personal thing, if it's more like, wow, I littered so much when I was young, I drove around and I tossed all those lit cigarettes. I wonder now if I started a forest fire. Well, you know what? Do some volunteer work. Go and we have here in Montreal, we have a clean the mountain every spring. They have, you know, you bring your gloves in your bag and, <laughs> and they give out more bags when that one's full. And you help clean up the mountain. So if you littered, help clean up. Do some volunteer work. If you felt, I remember once a client telling me that they were heartbroken when they realized that they had been very neglectful with a former cat that they'd had. And, and they'd had kind of a couple of cats and they maybe for, favored one and not so much or really kind of more neglected, whatever, for whatever reason. They were heartbroken when they lost that. So I said, well, okay, cat's gone. You can't really send a prayer and send good vibrations to whatever form that cat might be in now. But you, you can treat some other animal really nicely. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So you can take the good energy and put it somewhere, you know, maybe in the scale somewhere that's going to start to even things out, you know. So it's never too late to restore our self-respect. Now, a couple of last thoughts on, on it's respect and trust, I think, are the two things that are the easiest to lose and the hardest to rebuild, trust and respect. And they work together. Have you noticed? They're good companions. And they're so easy to lose. And they're hard to rebuild. And so it takes confidence and courage and intention. That's our willpower working again. I want to build my self-respect. And to do that, I need I want to conduct myself in dignity. And to do that, I need to be self-aware. And, and I need to love myself and the divine and nature and community enough to be willing to put the effort in. 
How are we doing? Oh, it's so beautiful. I'm just, I am just bathing in the light and trying to think about the way in which I can not only apply them to my life, but think on them more and try and find ways to recreate or, or maybe look at the boundaries I have in my life and apply some of these things to them. Because I think no matter where you are in life, it's always a good idea to re-examine boundaries. It's always a good idea to say, hey, where am I at? Or maybe for me, as I'm talking to you, I'm beginning to, th to think like, hey, you know, maybe after this conversation, I can take some time to revisit some of the things that happened in my life and understand where the boundary was at. Was it my boundary? Was it someone else's boundary? Or yeah. was it a fair boundary? So it, it's, yeah. it's, it's so beautiful. I love it. Yeah. And what can I learn about this? Yeah. And, and then how do I tweak... How do I tweak things going forward? You know, is this the kind of thing that, wow, that was an ouchie in the future. I mm -hmm. think I'm just going to close it down sooner and move away. You know, say, gee, I'm really sorry, but I'm not available for this conversation. I, it doesn't feel in integrity with what's for my or your higher good. Uh, actually, quite recently, I had to tell somebody that. I was mm -hmm. watching somebody dig themselves into mm. all kinds of old, crazy stories, third hand, fourth hand, second hand, what have you. And it was like, whoa, you're going to get halfway to China if you keep <laughs> digging in those old yeah. stories. Yeah. And so eventually what I said to this man was, you know what? This is not healthy. You know, this is not healthy. If you want to be healthy, you need to go by your own direct experience mm. with life and with people and not go into gossip and stories and and who said and what said and this and that and everything. In our tradition, in the Santo Daini, we have that in the hymns. There's a hymn of Master Irenaeus that says, No trocarse of cancinantes. Don't play with the mind. Mm. Don't play brother or sister's mind mm. <laughs> and, and and so this is all about healthy boundaries gossip you know how healthy is that okay well we all love a little bit of gossip <laughs> you know, mm. that's part of human but what do we do with it do we play with other people's minds and do we use it to manipulate and do we what are we doing healthy boundaries healthy boundaries healthy boundaries yeah, I think that that's why the conversations about lived experience are so rich because they are about your per your personal stories, your personal understandings of how things unfolded for you and in front of you. And as we talk about stories, I one thing I noticed that we have in our conversations that I try and use in my own life. And I've really found powerful is these ideas of metaphors. And when we talk about boundaries, they can be translucent or they can be opaque or they can be a picket fence or they can be sort of pixelated. I, it's so beautiful and powerful to use the powers of metaphors in order to create these things in your life that really is really helpful. <laughs> yeah. And then there's people who have great big stainless steel wall with yeah. no doors and no windows. Okay. Those are mean. And they are, they have imprisoned themselves. Mm. Okay. What starts off as a boundary for self protection becomes a prison. Mm. 
you know, earlier up in our conversation, you were saying, you know, I think we put those boundaries in place and those walls in place. Yeah, you're right. We get ouched a few times. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to protect. And so we put the wall up. And the place we put it up the most is around our heart. Mm. We can put it around our mind. We can be very closed mind. This is what I believe. Don't try and convince me otherwise. This is right. This is true. I believe it. Mm -hmm. So we can close our mind down and put a tight, hard wall around it. We can close our heart down, put a tight, hard wall around it. But remember, many months ago, we were talking about to loosen too tight. Mm -hmm. The teaching of the Buddha. Okay, one of his core first teachings on the path was about to loosen too tight and finding the middle way the balance that was the you know the the beginning of his understanding of the middle way the balanced way not to loosen too tight and it's the same with boundaries you know flexibility resilience mm-hmm. these are the things we want with our boundaries to be flexible but to be resilient not to block ourselves in and shut everybody out but also not to be so loose and leaking that we're kind of leaking into everybody else's or or everybody's we're letting everybody into into our space you know and we don't even own our thoughts because our thoughts get changed by other people's thoughts and mm-hmm. our feelings aren't even our feelings because we let other people leak their feelings into ours they're angry we become angry okay this yeah. can be a part of a conversation about mediumship because these are uh, exact kind of boundaries that happen with energetically within in mediumship and especially unconscious mediums mm. well so boundaries it's been mm-hmm. wonderful speaking with you today thank you so much i love being a guest on your show um those of you who are interested in learning more thank you again george you always talk about my books ayahuasca awakening a guide to self-discovery, self-mastery, and self-care. It's a two-volume work. And yes, you can read one without the other, but I highly yeah. recommend that you read Anyone interested, you can find lots of, of information free for educational purposes on my website, which is www.revdrjessicarochester, just as you kind of see it here, all lowercase. And... Um, Thank you, George. You are a wonderful host. Always a um, joy to visit with you. The pleasure is all mine, and I, I absolutely love our conversations. I find them rich and rewarding and valuable, and I know the listeners do too. The new site looks amazing, by the way. Congratulations on that. Oh, it's really so well much. done. Yeah. Yes. I did a, it just needed, I hadn't had the time. It's been so crazy busy. And you know, just okay, really have to freshen this whole thing up. <laughs> so mm-hmm. did a really nice freshen up and 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 chapeau to the new web designer who worked on it, Tony V. And give him a little shout out because he did he's doing a great job. Yeah. Do you have time for one more question, Dr. Absolutely. Jessica? Okay, so I've I want to say thank you to all the people in the comments. Uh uh Michael Ross Brewer. Magic Michael, Michael Bonneritz. Like, thank you so much to everybody who has taken some time to participate in, in the conversation today. And I, I have some friends of mine that find themselves going through, like a, sometimes I had, I had a friend of mine that's going through like a Suboxone withdrawal. 
And I would imagine that it states like that when you find yourself transitioning from being addicted to something, that that also opens up a whole new world of boundaries and stuff like that. What advice, like what, I'm sure that you've seen people in times of crisis dealing with boundaries. And while you can't speak to the actual individual, I'm sure maybe you could shed some light on what boundaries might look like for that person. Sure. Give me just a little bit more information about the person. Okay. So uh, a good friend of mine, um, they were addicted to substances. Then they found themselves going through the medical model of addiction where they were given Suboxone, which is normally something that's given to like a heroin addict. And they found themselves wanting to get off the medicine and, and the, the medical system is tapering them off. But they found they decided that they were going to go their own route and taper off, but also somehow find the courage and the light to to try and get off completely. And I think that that's where they are in that in that aspect. Well, first of all, all good vibrations for a successful recovery. And and please go out and get my books because yes. talk about addiction and recovery and, and 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 the thirst for wholeness. And underneath, if we come to accept that underneath all addictions are unresolved dependency issues and that within those dependency issues is the thirst for wholeness, Mm -hmm. the longing for love, for acceptance, for safety. People underestimate, you know, we're all looking for love, you know, that actually safety is, is a higher survival priority love is way down the line you know it's like safety to be able to feel safe is so profoundly important and because we live in a world where most of the time we do feel safe we've you know we can see on the news that people are bombs dropping in the ukraine and all these crazy things around the world and political overthrows of governments and all kinds of things where people actually don't feel safe and they get their bags and on their bicycles or with their wagon or their car and they try and look for safety. So that's the first thing that people in their recovery process need to do is, do I feel safe in my life? Do I feel safe? Not how many people love me. Okay, Mm -hmm. That's down the line. Because the first person needs to be you. I need to love you. George, you need to love you. So this friend of yours, okay, self-awareness, self-love. So self-awareness, yeah. first question is, do I feel safe? And if I don't feel safe, what is it that I need to do to start to feel safe? So self-awareness, self-love. Okay, now that I'm feeling safer, okay, mm-hmm. now that I'm feeling more safe, now that I realize, oh, okay, I have a home. I have some professional support that I need. I have some family support that I need. I have a group that I can go to every week and or every day if I need to and share and talk. Okay, some kind of support group. I'm a great believer in that. <clears throat> then you start to look at my thirst for wholeness. What else is missing now that I'm starting to address safety? All of a sudden I start to realize, wait a minute, what's missing is what I'm not putting into it. They tell me in, 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 in the 12-step programs that people, you know, they're always looking for love and they want a relationship and everything. And they say, mm-hmm. first you get a plant. Mm-hmm. If the plant is alive after a year, 
okay, you might be ready for a companion animal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if the companion animal is doing really well, okay, after a year, maybe you're ready for a relationship. <laughs> and so that's how, you know, I love that. You yeah. know, start with plant, okay? Yeah. If you can love that plant and get that plant really healthy and happy, then guess what? Then you can make your whole your whole life, your space, peaceful and happy and filled with good things. So you have to start with the very basics, safety, the basic human needs. And then you've got to love yourself and respect yourself. I hope this helps your friend. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think it, I think there's lessons in there for everybody. When we begin talking about you know, the the three parts that we've talked about so far are really, at least for me, I, I feel as it has given me a thorough understanding of the the different colors I have on my my palette that I can paint with. You know what I mean? When I start, when I begin to think about the world of self love and self awareness and self respect, it's you really got to understand all the tools you have before you can begin painting this authentic version that you want to get out there. And I, I, there's such beautiful tools. I, I really think everybody can learn from them. And it's so, it's so interesting to me, Dr. Jessica, because I, I feel that the lead up to all of our conversations, life is testing me in these things. And when I get to talk to you, I'm like, oh, that's why that thing happened. Or, oh, that's that. I can play that there, you know? So Synchronicity. Synchronicity. I know. Yeah, I know. Got it. It's just wonderful. It really is. I love these synchronicities. So anyway, it's been a joy. Absolutely. Uh, See you next time. Okay. Thanks a million. Lots of of light, love, health, peace, prosperity, everything good for you and for all the listeners out there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here today. Ladies and gentlemen, check out the books. You will love them. I guarantee you. That's all we got for today. I hope you have a beautiful day. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. 
Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.